righty. Okay. Welcome to Dead Inside. The Dead Inside podcast. I thought we were going to say it at the same time. I did too, and then I was like, I don't. That's going to be hard. Right. It's too difficult. Okay. <laughs> Welcome. My name is Kevin, and my name is Michaela. And uh, we are here again, another day. Uh, another God bless. God bless. Another beautiful Saturday in Los Angeles. And uh, yeah, today's podcast is called Is LA Okay? You okay, babe? How you doing? Let's do a little check-in. Let's do it. Let's just, just be aware. Let's just have a little mindfulness and see, <laughs> are we good? Because I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't think so. Things is wilding out out here. And... I'm not here for it. Same. Honestly, LA has proved to be exactly what I thought it was going to be. Actually, even worse. So. Yeah. I and, am surprised. And me being from here, I had that sense of like, West Side till I die. <laughs> to live and die in LA. West Coast is the best coast. Cali raised. Mm-hmm. And now, you know... Now, though, in 2023, <laughs> I'm like, damn, what's, what's the East Coast looking like? How are y'all doing over there in the East Coast in the South? Because right now, L.A. is tripping. Bad. And a lot of people can say what they say, but for me, it's like, do you even live in the city? Are you even here? Or you just you just drive here? Let me tell you, if you got to take the 405 or the 605 or the 10 or the 60 to, to technically get into the city, homie, you don't live in the city. And you know what? That's a good thing. You're blessed. <laughs> Count your blessings. Count your blessings. And the one thing I will also say is that there's a huge difference I don't think many people know about what it means to be from L.A. and what it means to be in L.A. County. Two big differences. But at the end of the day... If you're not from here or even from L.A. and someone asks you, where are you from? And you're from L.A. County, you're just going to say L.A. Because no one knows about La Puente. No one knows about Encino. Yeah. No one gives a fuck about Lancaster. I didn't know about any of those places until I moved here and started working for a cannabis company that was a delivery service. And then I was like, <laughs> oh, shit. L.A. County is huge. Yeah. L.A. County is two valleys, two whole different cities. I mean, honestly, mid-city, DTLA, K-Town's kind of a thing. But then Long Beach. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? It feels We're just, like, it's sorry. a lot. No, go ahead. It's it a lot. It feels like Long Beach. To get to Long Beach, it's so crazy from where we are in K-Town. It's like... Damn, we're still in L.A. We've been driving for like a good hour. You know what I'm saying? And we're still in L.A. Right. Absolutely. If you were to go from Long Beach and hit the 405 all the way until it to the tip top north side of Los Angeles County, you'd have to go past Sherman Oaks. <laughs> you'd be heading to like, I don't even know what's above there. I know Santa Clarita would be if you took the, uh, what is it, the five? took the five i think or something either way it's ridiculous not to mention all of the east coast like where i'm from la puente is damn near at the edge of los angeles county and san bernardino county 
But my whole entire life, if you wasn't from here and you asked me, where are you from? I would just say L.A. because it's easy. Because technically we are in L.A. County. But no, I am fucking three hours on a good day of traffic away from the actual city. Well, no, it's exaggeration. Like an hour. But it's still really far. Yeah. Is West Covina's technically L.A.? L.A. County. L.A. County. That's so crazy. That's like my first little introduction to Los Angeles um, via media. Or not media, via just like shows and stuff. I watched that. I used to love my crazy ex-girlfriend. Right. And she uh, had this guy she was obsessed with. This Filipino guy that lived in West Covina, California. And here I am with my Filipino dreamboat. From West Covina, California, technically La Punta. I mean, I'm a mutt, but I was born yeah, in West Covina, but I am definitely some, there's Filipino, a lot of Filipino culture in my life. And yeah, West Covina is really Filipino and real Mexican. And it's great. I love it. Um, it's gotten a lot better over the years, but overall, the city has not gotten any better. And we're just going to get into a little bit of things. First of all, I want to hear from you, Boo Boo. Why? Well, first of all, how are you doing? How was your week? Let's check in with each other before we check in on this city. Um, my week's been really good. I feel like I feel like, you know, we had our little tits and tats, which is totally normal. That's what couples do. Um, but we got over it, we got through it in uh like a I feel like a, the healthiest way that we could. We're getting better. And I'm really proud of us. I'm really proud of us. Um we're getting closer and closer to the big thing that we're doing so that's that's like been slowly on my mind i need to like get fire at my butt um our son is doing really good in school so i'm super happy about that that brings me so much joy and i'm just yeah i'm happy to just i don't know i'm very excited for these new beginnings that we have going on in our life and yeah it's i have had a pretty pretty good week Definitely. It's good to hear. What about you, Bubba? It's been good. It's been good. I feel like I'm putting a lot more effort into physically being at work so that I can do what I got to do. Really just training up as many people as I can as far as case managers and just kind of know. I'm kind of really just trying to motivate this team of people Um, as much as I can. Just give them some type of whatever they're looking for. They're looking for someone to lead. If they're looking for someone to partner with, just I want to give them the feeling that they are doing a really good job of what they're doing because what we do is really hard Mm -hmm. and it really is selfless at the end of the day. And it's just such a complicating thing, especially here in LA. It's more complicated than most places when it comes to what I do, which is homeless services for veterans. So it's just really crazy I don't know. It's just been crazy. But I feel like I've been working a lot, trying to put in a lot of work in the people I'm training. Um, We've been going through our things. But I will say with me personally having a change of medication, Mm -hmm. big changes in my medication, big changes in our lifestyle with no longer smoking weed. um, I think we're doing really good. Yeah, I think so, too. You know, I think we can be a lot more stressed than we actually are. We're really blessed. And I think just having each other, being open and honest, and then church and all that stuff has been really the ultimate thing that has been guiding me, at least to just get through these things quickly, 
and to open my eyes and see my faults and to take accountability. And then with Oscar, oh my God, we had parent-teacher conference and that was so dope. Yes, uh, we did. I know it feels like we, because we, I talk to her every day now, mostly. <laughs> right. So this is like, but it was very good to have the parent-teacher conference with him in the room. It I think was. that made a real huge difference because at first we were a bit like, oh, should he be there? But I'm glad he was there because he kind of, it puts him on the spot in a good way. Absolutely. I agree with that. I think seeing him light up at all of the good things she said and then seeing the areas he needs to improve where he would just be like, he got real serious, but it wasn't down because she's no. great and she yeah. made sure she said it in a great way. I really think he... Now that he knows we're all on board for him and we're showing up physically, he's like, damn, uh, let me just be the best at what I can be. Yeah. So I'm really grateful. And like I always say, my boo is a reason why my little man has, you know, improved the way he has because being a single parent is no fucking joke. That shit is crazy. And I can't really say I'm not. I mean, I'm not a single parent anymore. But in the times that I was before... Michaela, it was a lot of things had to take a back a back seat to my career, to my education, to my mental health. Um, And the times that I did prioritize my kids, then one of those things would slack. And it was just a constant back and forth when it shouldn't. You know, that's that's not the response. It shouldn't happen like that for children. They should have a dedicated love and affection from a group of a lot of people so that adults can take a break and adults can do what they got to do so <clears throat> excuse me it's just been dope to see his growth and all that so thank you boo no worries baby i'm having the best time being a mom a stay-at-home mom um i take my job very seriously i still have so much to learn you guys like i do have adhd i will say that then i do take medication for it so just setting a routine for the family and Oscar, it's a struggle for me, but it's something that I take serious and I love to do. So thank you for giving me the space and like providing for us so we can just be the best that we can be. We love you, baby. I love you too. Ew, we're so oh freaking God. gross. I hate it. <laughs> All right. So anyway, like we were talking about, it's not about us. This is about L.A. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> L.A.'s tripping. But before we get into that, I know we wanted to talk about why, how we got here. Yeah. So, Boo, why did, how did you get to L.A.? Okay. So I just want to make it clear. I never wanted to be here. Okay. I don't know. Like, I just always thought I was coming from Australia and I worked in the film industry there. And it's funny because people always assumed that I had already worked in LA and then I had all this like experience in LA and da, 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 da. But I actually started in Australia. So, but I, I'm American, so I have the American accent. Um, so, but I, I don't know. I just always was like, LA is a pretentious, weirdo place. I guess it honestly, it was coming from insecurity. Um, I just was like, I don't want to be in that kind of like, rat race i don't want to feel like i have to prove myself or wear designer clothes or do any of that kind of stuff i just want to be in the film industry and be i don't want to have to fight with like 
fight through nepotism and all these stuff. So I felt I always thought it was really dope and I was very blessed to get into the film industry the way that I did in Australia. I don't think I would have been able to do it if I was in LA. Um, just a little background on that. I started picking up trash on Pacific Rim Maelstrom, that movie set, after like bugging this AD assistant director for like six months. He finally gave me a chance. Uh, I started picking up trash and helping the other ADs with background work and stuff like that, directing background. And then from then on, I got an internship on this other show called Fighting Season. And then that's where I found, or that's where I met my mentor, rest in peace. Um, he's since passed away. Um, but, and then I just started getting on all these shows and stuff like that, but I just don't think I would have been, I would have gotten that opportunity if I was in LA because I'd be competing with like big producers, kids and all that stuff. It's just a smaller pond in Sydney. And I did have an advantage. I'll be straight up. I had an advantage because I was a black woman from America and they kind of like, they really liked that, you know, that they, they liked that. And I played into it and I got, I you know, I don't know. It happened for me. But I always told people, I said, I don't want to go to L.A. But I ended up being in L.A. because um, my ex at the time, she was in the music industry and I was in the film industry. And I told her, I was just like, look, I cannot be here anymore. I cannot be in Australia anymore. Sydney is literally breaking my soul because of the microaggressions and the racism. And, you know, I was definitely put up on this weird little pedestal in Australia, but it was very much like... I felt like I couldn't be myself because everyone just treated me like this stereotypical black girl. It's like I was supposed to know everything about American culture. People would come up to me and just like start being like, yeah, what's that? Uh, And that shit just gets really annoying after a while. I just couldn't take it anymore. So I was just like, I need to come back to America. I want to go to Atlanta where my family lives. And she was like, well, there's, I can't, I, the film, the music the record label that she was working with had an office already in LA. So it was just like a easy thing, an easy move. So the compromise was I could obviously pick up work in LA and then she can just move to the different office in LA. And that's what we did. Um, And we broke up like soon after I got here three days before the lockdown. I had my dream job in South Africa working on this reality show for like three months in the middle of like the jungle and then I moved here three I moved back to LA or whatever three days before the lockdown because we had moved to uh we'd moved to we technically moved to LA in December but I had to go to South Africa for that show so she was here and um kind of settling and everything and then by the time I got back coincidentally enough the lockdown happened and all the people, all my contacts that I had here moved back to Australia because all my contacts were Australian. And then it was lockdown and I just didn't have the energy in me anymore to just kind of fight for that. Like, you know what I mean? I just right. didn't, I didn't know anyone. So every, I didn't know anyone. And then I got into the <clears throat> cannabis industry. We broke up. Um, and then I was just kind of like, on my own kind of thing. I just was disconnected from the film industry and I didn't miss it either. So that's how I got to LA. And like I said, I never wanted to be here. It was a compromise for the relationship I was in at the time. So it's kind of funny how, I guess I went through this 
feeling of like, okay, like it's cool. It is what it is. I'm going to make the best of my situation. And now coming back around to being like, yeah, actually this is, this place was exactly what I thought it was going to be. And I cannot wait to get the hell out of here. <laughs> right. So, bef- so if you hadn't moved to LA, you would have been in Georgia. In Georgia. I, yeah, I hadn't lived with my family, you guys. I've I've moved around a lot in my life, um, and I hadn't lived with my family or been near my mom or my sisters or my aunts for like years, like ten plus years. I went to middle school in Australia as well. So I was really excited. I just really was craving just like being near people that I, that are my people. Right. You know? Yeah. I didn't care if I had to start over or, you know, hit the ground running and try to break into the film industry in Atlanta. I was willing to do that because all I wanted to do is just be near my people. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's dope. That's dope. And then you also have family up north. Oh, I do. I was actually born in Sacramento. So my grandfather's up there. I got cousins up there. But I didn't, like, I was born there and I would go to my grandparents during the summertime um, growing up a little bit before I moved to Australia when I was 12. So, yeah, I was, I am, I'm a Cali girl too. But I just, I guess I didn't really grow up there. So I don't really claim it that much. I claim Australia and Atlanta more. Makes sense. Yeah. Definitely. But that's how I got here. I, You were born and raised here, so I want to know how that was like. And also, who was the first in your family to, like, make roots in L.A.? Yeah. So I was born in West Covina, just like the show. And then I lived everywhere, kind of in the San Gabriel Valley. I know I lived in, like, El Monte, Rosemead, Whittier, Norwalk, any all those places. Um just like right on the outskirts of the actual city. Um, then moved back t- to West Covina, La Puente area. That's where I kind of claimed because I was there the longest. Uh, and went to school there. Very, very proud to be an L.A. native, even though it's L.A. County. You can't tell me any different. You can't tell anyone any different. Ain't nobody saying they're a La Puente native. Well, <laughs> people might, but they're gangbanging if they do. Um, so... Uh, and I did all that growing up as a kid. Um, originally, though, I think it was my grandfather who was here first. So a lot of people might not know, but back in the day when the, the war happened, World War II, um, and we destroyed Japan in like one bomb. Uh, here in America, any Japanese people that were around were perse- persecuted pretty badly. So my family, the Ogo, I don't even think that's their full last name, but they probably had to change it because America did that. Um, they were actually up north. I think it was San Francisco or Sacramento also. Mm-hmm. And when I look back at records, they were farmers. Okay. And then during the war, they were given notice, just like all Japanese people were in this country, that they needed to report to a concentration camp because they were no longer considered free people. Uh, so wow. most Japanese people did. They did. Actually, pretty sure all of them just did. And my family ended up going to Arizona to the concentration camp there and living there throughout the war. During that time, my great-grandfather actually, excuse me, he actually joined the army from a concentration camp, became a pilot and fought in Italy for the 442nd Infantry, which was an all-Japanese-American battalion. 
So here in J-Town, if you go to J-Town, there's a J-Town, you know, Japanese-American veteran memorial museum and everything. And my grandfather's name and pictures are there. Because <clears throat> he was one of those people. He was a 4-4 deuce. Go for broke. Wait. So just to get this straight in my head, they made them go to concentration camps and then also made them fight in a war. for like- Gave them the opportunity to join. And a <gasps> lot of men did. And let me, let me just go ahead and say, when I say concentration camp, it was a concentration camp, but it's nothing like a Holocaust, Jewish, the Holocaust. It's nothing like that. There wasn't, um, I, from what I know, there wasn't gas chambers and there wasn't mass murder. There was a lot of oppression, a lot of abuse. But I know the people of Japan, I know the Japanese people there were, they were made to basically, hey, you have to create your own community here and you're going to be here because right now America don't like you and they don't trust you. So it wasn't as bad. However, I will say being oppressed and being told you have to go move all the way from San Francisco where you're thriving thinking you're living the American dream and now being in a Ari- place in Arizona with a bunch of other people you probably don't know, uh, that would suck. And then for, to be there for years, that would suck. But then to still join the army. Right, that's what I'm saying. And fight for this country that After is telling that. you we don't like you um, just goes to show how people were down for this country. Anyway, he's all over the J-Town area, you know, museums and all that. But a lot of uh, what happened was is that once the war was over, most of these people were released to places like J-Town in downtown L.A. Okay. And kind of like the more South L.A. areas like Gardena. So that's why my grandfather ended up in Gardena okay. with his sister. Because when once the war was over, these are just the places that they all kind of went to. So if you go to Gardena now, it's very heavily influenced by Japanese culture. Mm-hmm. And that's why. Oh, okay, that's good to know. Thank you for yeah. that little uh, history. And history then on, on my mother's side, very well-off Filipino family in the Philippines, all like very young nurses and doctors. Um, for whatever reason, my great-grandmother decided, hey, we're going to America, saved up money. Um, they all took the tests and got their, got their citizenship and came down here. And of course, once you come here, you have to start over. You're no longer a doctor because I don't think they recognize Filipino education. Yeah. But now they're all very well off and they're doing well. But that's how they set up roots here. And it was probably a little bit later, maybe in the 60s or 70s that that happened for my mom, for the Filipino side of my family. Okay. So that's who ended up there first. Now, my, my dad's side, very fresh because my dad is Mexican. So he was born and pretty much almost raised in Chihuahua, Mexico. My grandfather was a full-blooded Chinese um, runaway from slavery back when the Chinese were working on railroads. Took a tunnel to Mexico. Um, and he was an orphan, so nobody knows much about his backstory. Oh, wow. But he just was, you know, he grew up and was raised and had a goat farm in Chihuahua, Mexico. Met my grandma, they had kids, and then they made their journey. Well, he passed away early. My grandma and all her kids made the journey to getting to America pretty pretty early, like early 90s or early 80s, I would say. Yeah. So my dad struggled a lot with immigration and not being a citizen until he joined the army. And now he's a fucking super soldier. He's still in the army, you guys. Goddamn going on 27 years, special forces, goddamn... I'm sure you've. I'm sure one of these movies are about him. 
<laughs> or <laughs> people he knows or some shit. He looks so young to me. Like, you wouldn't think all that he's... I'm just like, wow, you look really good for it. That's Special Forces lifestyle. They really take <laughs> care of... Once you do that, it's like, you get all the good stuff. But now, that's, I, guess, I guess that's how my family got here. What a story. It's crazy, right? I, I really enjoyed learning about that history. But anyway, anyway, L.A. was a very different place back then. Um, <clears throat> so, just diving right into some shit going on in L.A., Mm-hmm. You know, last week or the week before, the 10 freeway caught on fire. And I'm not talking about like, oh, there's a small fire. <laughs> no, apparently people were storing pallets and vehicles under the 10 freeway. And they're telling us, well, we cannot blame the unhoused population. However, when I was on TikTok live before anyone even knew about it, there was a guy who was already recording the beginning parts of the fire and there was a lot of homeless people escaping and getting their belongings out of where the fire was coming from. And fires happen frequently among the homeless population because mm-hmm. they like to use the ground little, you know, you can open up the, the cement thing and you can see like wires and they, they will hack into that and they'll wire their shit so they can have electricity in their, in their tent areas and stuff. So that is a common issue along with just who knows what. But they're saying not to blame it on who, who, but they do know it's arson. Yeah. Oh, that's been confirmed. Like somebody started that fire. And this was a massive fire. It was huge, you guys. Like it wasn't like no little fire. They actually had to close it down indefinitely. Yeah, for a couple streets. It's still closed. Yeah. You know, they're expected opening it up on Tuesday. But um, a lot of a lot of talks have been going on because the 10 is traffic. There's traffic regardless. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you're doing. It's a very major highway in L.A. Like one of the major highways. Like you you were always going to at least end up on the 10 or get off the 10 or something. And the 10 is is a national highway. So you can start the 10 here at the beach in Santa Monica and take that thing all the way to what? Where does it end? Florida? (laughs) yeah right it goes all the way through it goes to georgia it goes through it's a national it's a it's a it's a big one it's a big one so that little bit it was crazy because that's where everyone goes to go to work so the other 10 freeways the 15 other freeways that people used to not use the 10 now they had to use those freeways and those freeways aren't any better (laughs) so we got traffic 10 times worse than it ever was and with that comes everyone's opinion on homeless people. Everyone's opinion on the, you know, the industries that are here that do public works. Yeah. Such as Caltrans, you know. There's a lot of talks being like, well, Caltrans is going to take forever because that's a mafia-owned business anyway that's going to make sure that whoever is getting paid is going to get paid a lot, is going to get paid right, and Ugh. we're going to pay for it. Right, because the 30% taxes ain't enough. It's not enough. We couldn't fix it fast enough. They said it's going to be done by Tuesday, um, but that's a whole week. And a week in L.A. is the same as three hours on set <laughs> with no work. And, and you know, people, yeah. you know, so whatever that means, because I don't know shit about Hollywood. <laughs> but yeah, anyway. Like, okay. <laughs> but anyway, what what do you think about... First of all, what do you think about the 10 freeway and how 
that just kind of overall says a lot about what LA is about. Um, I feel like it's just the t- what happened with the 10 freeway is just shining a light on a bigger issue that we have here in LA. And it's just, there's a lot of homelessness here and not saying that it's, I don't know, it's so hard to talk about this because on one side you have people that are like, they're just your neighbors and they're just trying to live and they're just trying to do their thing. But on the other side, you have people that actually live amongst the homelessness and you suffer and you're not allowed to talk about that. You're not allowed to say anything about it unless you want to be painted as this insensitive jerk. Right. But the thing is, is that it's very expensive to live in L.A. It is very expensive to live in L.A. I personally have a hard time with the homelessness as someone that is a stay-at-home mom now who used to love walking um, our son to school and all that stuff. But we can't do that because of the tents that pop up. You know, the, the tents that pop up and most of the time these people are on drugs this isn't some merry cherry motherfucking thing where people are just out there trying to live their lives i mean i think there is some people out there that are trying to live their lives there's like uh kevin has said there's immigrant families here that are homeless that are just trying to live their lives but the vast majority are people partying on the streets breaking into cars making it feel very unsafe in places that it should not feel that way there are children that live in la yeah. You know? Trying so, to. Trying to, right? And then there's the trash. There's a lot of trash. LA is a dirty ass place. So fucked up. It's very dirty. And it's just like this weird thing because it's like there's a lot of wealth here. But there's also a lot of poverty. And I just don't know. I don't know. I honestly don't know. It's a hard situation. I don't I feel get like it. you just get shit on if you talk about anything about the homeless like i'm talking down on these people i'm not talking down on these people but like we've got to talk about it we have to and here's the thing the people who will be the first to shit on anyone who expresses concern about their own safety is very ignorant very ignorant and i would say very young-minded because like i said before there's different categories if you want to call it there's different levels there's so many different demographics of homeless people yes and the homeless people that you see on the streets that are intense, I guarantee don't have the resources. There aren't any resources available because of who they are. And there's some underlying issues that prevent them from getting the help they need. And what I mean is immigrant families come here and they end up very homeless. However, with a lot of the laws in California, there is some resources and aid to help them with housing to help them with employment but overall if they find out you might be a criminal in mex in another country or wherever you're from if they find out that you know or if you just don't know about it and you're not going to those resources then you will end up on the streets if you come out of prison and you are a criminal you often have a mindset that i cannot get help I don't even know how many people I've run into doing outreach where they're just like, well, I can't because I've been to prison. Okay, 
I've been to prison too, and granted I'm much more privileged than a lot of people, there are still resources. However, when you really start breaking things down and you, if you were really to sit around for a while and get to know the demographic who is out here struggling the most, the barriers that are there are often mental health and substance abuse. The motherfuckers who are down on their luck are walking into a shelter, they're walking into a church, they're going to a food bank, and they're asking for help. They're creating that, they're getting that shame, and they're finding that humility, and they're just reaching out. And those people will often be the success stories that we see. But when you see the people who are so far gone, and and it's like, uh, it's they're so far gone because of trauma, childhood trauma, all the, all the other traumas that happen, then they end up in a life that just creates more trauma with police trauma and drug issues and abuse and gang activity because they're being preyed on by gang and drug activity. Um, <clears throat> it makes it really hard for people to get back. But at the end of the day, there are so many resources. It's ridiculous when they when I hear people say, the government isn't doing enough. First of all, I don't think the government should do anything. I think it should be up to the community and the people to fix the issues going on in their community. And the thing about it is that people don't like that because most communities don't want to do anything. That's why we have not in my backyard laws. That's why we have laws in certain communities that prevent homeless from even you can't even sit on the on a curb for too long before a cop will tell you to move along. Because that community doesn't want it. And I guarantee the people who are talking the most shit live in that community. Because they're not out here doing outreach. You never would. You would never do outreach because you would learn the truth. And the truth is that the people who are out here the most often are still committing crimes. Often are not addressing their trauma. And they're not getting the help that is out here for them. There is help. And it's crazy. I work in veteran services and veterans have the most assistance than any other demographic. So whenever you see a veteran who is really out there, I guarantee it's because they don't know the resources. There's something going on and they don't qualify. And it's unfortunate, but it's something that happened in their life or happened in their military career that's preventing them. There is no just racism or overall. No, you can get the help you need. It's there, I promise you. And if people don't believe me, DM me. And I will find a resource for your demographic. I will. It's there. And I will. And then let's see if we can follow through and have that person sign up. Because I'm all about changing lives. Yeah. And but, it's... Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. And I just feel like on the other side of things, like, and I can only speak <clears throat> as myself is like you know, somewhat privileged and I'm a stay-at-home mom. Like, I don't really have to go out there like that. Um, But I do have a kid with me like 90% of the time and that shit is scary. It is scary to walk by tents of people tweaking the fuck out. It is. It is. And I shouldn't be shamed for being scared of that. I feel like there's been times where even before, um, you know, I had you and Oscar in my life and I lived in K-Town by myself and you kind of have this mental, you go through these mental jump, uh, mental hoops or whatever, because, you know, there's these people that are literally losing their minds on the street, like just snot coming out of their nose. They're yelling at everyone next to them and all this stuff. Right. And you kind of have this thing like, okay, 
I really want to cross the road and avoid this situation. But then you have the media telling you you're an asshole for not wanting to be around these people because they're just down on their luck. Do you know what I mean? There's that thing and you're just like, I know there's so many. And that puts people in danger. I am a five, one, five, two, sorry, five, two, a hundred pound girl. Why the fuck would I want to walk near a tent outside of my house, my apartment that I spend X amount of money on? Like that shit is scary. That shit is scary. And I shouldn't be shamed for not wanting that around me. When I pay my bills, I pay my taxes. We all do that shit. Right. And these taxes are supposed to go to helping these people. And the money is there. And I will say that the government does a really great job of saying, here's the money. It's right here. You just have to do A, B, C through Z and then meet up with the social worker who's going to do A, B, C through Z. And hopefully that paperwork gets done in time for you to stick around and we find you a place and we find you the help. I get, I, there's so many issues I have with the system and how we do help people, but it's there. And the government's never going to fucking make it easy for you to get. That's why I'm saying the government should never be involved because you're giving them the money. We're giving the state of California and the VA and the United States government billions and billions of dollars of our tax money to, to then house homeless people. And it's not happening. However, if you just kept your fucking money and gave it to a, and, and a, a fucking church you trusted or an organization that is transparent and, and will tell you exactly where that money is going and how it's going to go into that person's pocket so they can benefit them. We would do a lot better, but we're so far into this whole thing. It's never going to happen that way. Nonprofits have become a fucking money-making machine. If you don't know, only 30% of a nonprofit's income has to go to helping its cause. The other 70% can go over the overhead, can go to budgeting the employees, can go to paying the CEO. 70%. When I give a dollar to a homeless person, he gets that dollar. Granted, I don't know what he's going to do with it. He gets that dollar. You fucking give a dollar to Walmart. 10% 10% goes to Walmart and then 90 cents goes to the fucking organization who's only going to use fucking 20 cents of that to actually give to a homeless person. Yeah. So it's crazy. It's crazy when you really do that math. You're like, what the fuck is going on? No wonder we can fucking house all these people and say we're going to put billions and hotels and blah, blah, blah. But when you look on the streets, there's no changes. There's no changes, and um, that kind of reminds me of recently I got into like some sort of ar- argument in the comments because there was this person on Facebook that posted this documentary about how they, they posted a documentary about the homelessness in L.A., and their comment was, the government isn't doing enough, the government, the government. And I said, I said, look... The government does have programs, but the bigger issue here is mental health. Mm -hmm. How dope would it be if these nonprofits gave like free mental health things? Yes. Free mental health sessions, free mental health psychiatry, like all kinds of stuff. But they don't do that. They throw money in shelter. They give them shoes. They give them all, which you still need, but that doesn't help the bigger issue. And then some funky lady came into my comments basically telling me that basically gaslighting me it was the most craziest shit ever she was she said oh so you don't think that these people deserve shelter and help because they're homeless and i said uh i did not say that i said that there's a bigger issue here right and you don't and i said you've obviously never have lived around homeless and you've never been like 
had a neighbor that was homeless but just got housed because guess what you guys they don't take care of the house they become a nuisance of a neighbor you get bed bugs you get shit out on the like it's just not what it is so I, I feel like we have to stop coddling after a while and get the bigger issue going and the bigger issue is mental health and sometimes like putting someone in a house by themselves alone isn't gonna help the worst thing you can do and there's a thing in the social work world called your adls your activities of daily living are you able to do your adls and a lot of times when we talk about adls we talk about physical things but really adls is everything the mentals the mental health the emotional health wellness has eight categories when you're talking about your activities of daily living you we want to know are you able to get up and brush your teeth and some people are like oh that's fucking ridiculous no, it's not because there's people who don't do that. Hell, I've even and I've gone through, you know, very depressive episodes, especially before I was diagnosed with ADHD. And I was not doing really well with my fucking hygiene. Let's be real. Facts. Facts. And people want to, you know, people can never I will never allow anyone to come and try to attack me on any of these situations, because for one, it took me less than 30 days from ETSing out of the army to leave my own home to pick up a drug habit to pick up a drug dealing operation and to essentially be homeless until I eventually got arrested so many times ended up on fucking Colorado Springs most wanted and I ended up in prison in which I then had to deal with prison for two years I had to deal with everything from a court case with a fucking public pretender all the way to doing my time to getting paroled to paroling homeless so whenever people are like, well, you don't know, bitch, I know because I was that guy who could have just walked into a job. I was supposed to start Progressive Call Center the week after I ETS out the army, but I was so high on meth and looking for heroin, hanging out with prostitutes. I didn't give a fuck about that. My mental health was gone because I just went through three years of war and didn't even know what therapy was yet. And so for people to be like, well, how do you know? Bitch, I've been there. I've been in the tent. I slept on the curb in Colorado Springs. You can go to Colorado Springs and you can ask motherfuckers who Chinaman is or who Miyagi is or who Kevin is. And they'll tell you that motherfucker was a wild ass dude back in the day. He was also a homeless ass dude back in the day who was fucking around until I got my shit together. And it and for me, it took incarceration, which I do not recommend for anyone. Yeah. And then I ended up going into this whole fucking Constantine era where I feel like I'm doomed for hell. So I have to do as much good as I can because of the things I did during that drug life, during my war times. And I got into social services to try and help knowing exactly what these people go through. And because of that, I did really well at being a case manager and housing veterans and getting veterans to help to the point now where I've been promoted really quick. But at the end of the day, I still have a lot of failures on my caseload. I still have a lot of those veterans I just can't get to. And, and it doesn't matter what they want to say, what the nonprofits who are protecting them want, what their fucking advocates want to say. Every single one of the veterans that I struggle the most with have severe mental health problems, severe that continue to grow the longer they're in homelessness, continue to grow the longer they do drugs, continue to grow the longer they don't attack those 
those traumatic events that happen like war and prison and being a person of color in LA in the 50s. Childhood trauma. Childhood trauma is the biggest one. We as parents in America are fucking shit. Yeah, we're terrible. When I was in school, I took child welfare class and you learned that children's rights didn't come until a lawyer was able to sue a man, but they had to use the animal rights law to get that person in court for the way they were treating their kids because there was no laws for kids yet. Because back after slavery, people were like, well, how am I going to get people to work for me? Oh, I'll just use my own fucking kids and I'll just use all the kids of color. Look it up because that's exactly what we've done. Wow. We, didn't, we, have, we, didn't, we don't give a fuck about kids. We still don't. Look at, look at what kids go through now. Yeah. We don't have any laws to protect them from parents. And as soon as they turn 18 and they commit a crime, well, that's an adult. Okay. But 18 years ago, from then until now, they weren't an adult and they were being beaten, neglected, abused, thrown around, fucked with. And the parents have nothing. Basically groomed to be a piece of shit. You know, and I'll be the first to say I was very abused and neglected as a kid. And the army just kind of put a pause on me fucking my life up because the minute I got out, (laughs) it all came rushing back. It sure the fuck did. And I had added trauma from combat. That's wild. And I will say, like, oh, my goodness, I have learned a lot being close, uh, being with a social worker and just seeing what you go through that opened my eyes to a lot of things because i used to be one of those people that were just like oh my gosh the government sucks these people just need help and it's the world's fault no after a while you have to be like these are adults that we're talking about whether they're homeless or not these are adults that eventually have to take accountability for the choices that they have made as adults just because it's like they do abusive things yes abuse people that have been abused usually turn out to be abusive yes 100%. and at some point you have to stop making excuses for adults that do abusive shit yeah we all have choices in this world we all have choices and that's like that's just <clears throat> what it is some pe- not everyone goes down this path so what are we Facts. saying? Like that we're just going to continue to coddle these abusive ass people because of what they've been through. And they're not getting help either way. Either way, they're yeah. still out there on the streets. And that's another thing I want to bring up when you have, you know, there's nonprofits out here and then there's activist groups out here who are trying to help. I really do believe they want to help. But what they're not realizing is, is that collaboration is key. You need a community to fix these things. A lot of these people go into it thinking, I'm going to make a change because there's not a change happening. And then you soon realize, oh, there's changes that can be done, but there's just, it's just really fucking hard. Or there's a lot of things that need to be done first. So then they just start bitching at the fact that those things aren't being done. And that, you know what I mean? Oh, it's too hard for these people to get help. Yeah, no shit. The government doesn't fucking care. You, oh, sorry. Go ahead. The biggest thing that like I think changed my mind or just opened a new perspective for me is when you first started and i didn't realize so they have like the street cleanups right where they clean up the tents and they basically throw all of their shit out and yes all these people have to start all over again yes 
Um, when you're someone looking into that, you think, oh my gosh, how terrible is that? They're yeah. just coming and bulldozing these people's places. What you don't realize is that a week before that, you have actual social workers telling them, hey, this is going to happen and this is what we can do for you. This is the resources that we have for you and this is how we can help. Yeah. Then these people say, fuck off. I don't want it. Yeah. And then the inevitable happens. The police come and they clean up the area. But then you have these activists that only film and nonprofit that only film that end part. They don't, you don't see the social workers, AKA also the government coming in and saying like, Hey, this is going to happen. We can put you here. We can put you here. And then seeing those people pretty much reject it. Yeah, absolutely. And so that happens. And it's actually about two weeks to a month before, before that notice is even put up in public saying that there's going to be a street cleanup. Nonprofits who do run these programs and government agencies are notified and we are required to do outreach in those specific areas they're about to clean up. And we offer everything from hotels, depending on demographics. And that demographic is often over an age of a certain amount. Do you have children? Do you have underlying health conditions? We will put you in a hotel immediately. And not only that, we can provide you storage for all these things that you're going to lose. And oftentimes, a lot of these communities say, well, I don't want to leave my community. Okay, fine. Then we can put you guys all together in a hotel, hopefully. But sometimes we can't. But at the end of the day, there's sacrifices that do need to be made in order to get help. And while you are in a hotel, it is the duty of these nonprofits to then try to get you the assistance you need. But we running, we're running in this weird place where it's like, we got to help you, but mental health is on you. I cannot require you to get mental health help. I cannot require you to go get drug help. There's programs who will say, I can't fuck with you at all if you don't get help with those things. But then there's programs like the one I work in that says, we will fuck with you, but we want you to get help. But I work in a housing first model. And if anyone who knows what housing first model is, it states that the first thing we need to do is shelter these people, shelter and food. Maslow's hierarchy, the bottom fucking thing on the pyramid is what we handle first, and then we can work on mental health. Then we could work on substance abuses. As much as I thought I loved this program and this model, there are some cons. And the cons are oftentimes once you do get someone housed and it is a responsibility to get help, they don't. And it's hard for them, I will say, because of the mental things they've been through. But what do we do then? Because that person is not going to maintain their daily life and maintain that apartment, that hotel, that household, if they're still too hellbent on the trauma they went through and the addictions that they have. And it just makes it really tough. And then at the end of the day, these activists and nonprofits, they shit on the social workers of all people, which is fucking mind boggling. You should literally be nut to butt with these fucking social workers figuring out how to help. Yeah. But instead you're saying, no, I can help better. Here's some Air Force One than a sleeping bag. What the fuck? You're just helping them to stay homeless. In my opinion... You're saying, well, since no one's helping you, let me help you with a fucking sleeping bag and a pair of shoes. How about you talk to that person and really get to know them and see what the issues are? Get buddy-buddy like a peer support would do and then figure out how you can then help them to get into these programs and work the system. When I started my nonprofit, it was hell-bent on two things. Accountability because we were all inmates because I started my nonprofit in a prison, in a jail actually, 
mm-hmm. in a fucking in the fucking goddamn whatever where people do fucking play cards and do puzzles the fucking common area the common area of a fucking jail <laughs> i started a support group and then it was hell bent on working within the system to change it because you're not bigger than the government you're not bigger than that jailhouse we're the fucking inmates but i still made a change a huge change in the el paso county jail in the veterans ward and I did it by working within that system. I wasn't buddy-buddy with the cops. As a matter of fact, part of our rules is that we don't fucking still talk to them cops. <laughs> but they, re- they gave us the respect and the privacy to hold these meetings without them listening and watching us. And it was because we, I worked within the system. And, and people who are claiming to be advocates, activists, and nonprofit people who are helping don't understand. I don't think they get that. They think, well, we're going to work in spite of the government. No, bitch, the government has all the fucking resources and money. You gave it to them. You voted for it. Yeah. And if you didn't vote for it, you didn't advocate enough for people to vote otherwise. So you have to work within the system that's currently in place to change it. It's like fucking 101 once you start actually going to school for for social work and trying to make a change. But oftentimes these advocates, activists, and nonprofit owners, these little nonprofit owners, they don't – they've never taken that class. They've never read a book. They've never even gone into that. They're, they're, they're basing it solely on the emotions of themselves and their emotions are based solely on what they see currently in front of them, which is and someone in, in a crisis. Yeah. And their small world perspective. Very. Because I was, I was like that, you guys. I had, you know, you base things on your life experiences and what you see, but you have to understand that that's a very small scope. A very, very small scope. And you cannot do that because then you're missing a lot of other things that are actually going on and it's easy for you to get played oh, yeah. by people that are trying to fucking play you oh yeah and the media is only going to show you that person that's still struggling because you know what oftentimes too that family who does get the resources that guy who does take those opportunities to chill and get the substance abuse treatment and to work on his they're not the ones on TV. They're not the ones being shown because they're actually housed now. They're actually employed now. They're actually in therapy now. And the media doesn't like to show that because there's no problem. The media needs to show you a problem. So they're going to show you that person in crisis that's in the middle of the street freaking out. And they're going to expect you to lump that mentality into every homeless demographic that's in LA. And that's not true because there's so many different demographics. Like I said, homeless veterans, they have their own set of resources. Homeless immigrants, they have much fewer, but they have some resources. And I wish they had more. Fucking women, when it comes to women... When it comes to single mothers, there is absolutely no fucking resources for them because at the end of the day, you cannot put a woman and a child in the same homeless shelter as a bunch of men because these men who are homeless under the assumption that they're struggling because of drug abuse, they're struggling because of trauma, which is a causing them to probably be maybe abusers. They're struggling because they have criminal histories or they're struggling because of certain things because of the safety. The government says, no, you're not going to lump all these people into one place. So because of that, when you really look at the demographic, they only have the majority of shelters are to accommodate single men because that's what we see on TV because that's what we're bred to believe. The society is making you think that, but low key, Single mothers and women are the most homeless, the most out here struggling, 
and the most represented. No one's talking about it. The most vulnerable. Hello. And it's scary for me because on my caseload and, and from not even on my caseload, just from doing outreach, what I've seen is single mothers who are asking for help and aren't able to get it. And we're doing everything they can, we can as a community, as nonprofits, uh, trying to use the government. And you know what happens to these women? They just fucking disappear. They just go missing, boo. And that scares the fuck out of me. That's I've insane. had a couple of women that I just honestly was like, I put in all the effort I could into referring you to every resource, which is like three of them. And there's they're all full. And the next thing I know, weeks go by and I still can't get them help. And then they're just gone. And no one knows where they are. Them and their child. And we have nothing out here to combat that. And I've said it so many times. I've said it to anyone who's ever talked about putting funds towards homeless. I say, you need to dedicate a house to single women with children and for single women. And there's a few houses. They've got one here up in K-Town. There is one. just fucking one. One home. And it's an actual house. It's like a four bedroom. So only four single women can be there. Out of the however many, however many you think are in LA, however single mothers you think are in LA, please multiply that by four. And that's how many probably are actually out here. Wow. Sleeping in cars or couch surfing or doing God knows what just to get some fucking shelter and food. And it's it sucks because at the end of the day, we're just going to continue to bicker and fight about it uh, on our pedestals of privilege yeah. in apartments, in housing, um, employed human beings. But ain't none of us really making a change. And I can say that as someone who works in homeless services. I didn't, I didn't really feel like I'm making that big of a change. And I would love to do more. But it takes it takes more people of like-minded, of like-minded things to set aside their own shit and just to go, what what the how the fuck do I use the government or whatever's currently in place to fix this situation? Not how can I create something new? That's the one thing you learn also when starting a nonprofit in a social work school is you have to assess what's already there. You're not gonna fucking reinvent the wheel in 2023 you just have to either modify or work with what's already going on and it sucks but this is something i think we're always going to be talking about and we can you know just to throw a quick thing in there with my demographic of homeless people not many of them are california natives they're all from the north they're all from the east and a lot of times you'll read about these people telling you straight up there's no help here you need to go to la and they figure it out and they make it here and now they're here. And even though we have the most resources, look at how bad it still is. Yeah, it's not getting any better either. It's crazy. Anyway, I always get ramped up because my heart is really in this. And it's crazy that I hear people saying that I've had people come at me and say like, oh, you you ain't shit for doing this. Homie, you've never even lived a day out here in a tent. You ain't never put a needle in your arm. You ain't never had to go in front of a judge. You ain't never had to sign your life away to a prison. And you ain't ever, even after that, gone to a fucking AA, NA, one-on-one therapy, group therapy, and then busted your ass to get a job helping the same demographic of people you live with. You would never. You would never be in my shoes. You'll never live my life. And uh, it's just, it's, it's sorry because I try to team up with a lot of these people. And they look at me like, well, you're the enemy. All right, bitch. You keep handing out your goodie bags that is going to last that, that, that fucking person a day. Yeah. And you keep telling them not to go to 
my organization for help and you wonder why you can go years and that person's still homeless. Meanwhile, on my caseload, people don't last very long. Yeah, granted, some last longer than I would like to. All of them do. I would like to house them immediately, but I fucking house a lot of people and I will boast about that because I will get in a property manager's ass and tell him he needs to, by law, accept these people if he can. And I will make these relations and suck up to whatever property owner I need to because that's one of our biggest barriers is that the city of LA doesn't want to house people. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. All I'll say is pray for the homeless people. Pray for LA. LA is struggling. And Gavin Newsom just put out a new thing. He put in a thing that the military has been doing. And that's if they visibly see you tripping, they will put you in a mental health facility. And so Gavin Newsom said in 2024, you know, if the law sees that you are actively out in public having a mental health crisis, they're going to lock you up. I haven't specified where they're going to lock you up. I assume because we got rid of insane asylums um, and and mental health facilities, most likely it's going to be jail, which is fucking shitty. But how do you feel about that, boo? Um, I know that you've said that, you know, there could be some sort of like, you know, there could be um, like corruption because you could like, what does that mean? Right. What does it mean? How can you? How does it? How do you know if someone's just having a really bad day and they just need a breather, or is this like a real mental health deep seated crisis that's right. gonna, you know, that's more than what the, you know, just someone having a bad day? I personally think the now that cops have to have body cams, I think that's gonna help the situation a lot because you do that, you have to hold people accountable. That holds cops and people accountable it does how many times like and it's so crazy that we can watch people get arrested on youtube now it's crazy but it shows that you know sometimes people be wilding out you know they're not as innocent as they like to say that they are yeah and i think that's going to help the situation because we'll all be able to look back and see okay well is this person really wilding out or was that cop being shitty facts you know so i think with the body cams and then this whatever Ga- well not whatever what Gavin Newsom is trying to do I think that together can work but we'll we need the body cams they have to stick around um, and it's I feel like there should be um, a mental health like a, a psychiatrist a licensed trained person that goes out with the cops it shouldn't just be cops they should have a licensed trained person that goes out with cops so they can really actually handle this facts in a good way i had a friend in in australia whose colleague died this was years ago because they were they got killed by someone that had mental health problems and they weren't there with a cop and i can't exactly remember but i think they got stabbed or something like that so I feel like it needs to be a team effort. Um, and yeah, I'm not against this. Yeah, I would think that. So I, I think my only, my only concern is that after, okay, we're going to get them off the street. That's what Housing First does. We just want to get them off the street and into a shelter. What about after? Are you putting them in a jail? Because if you put them in a jail cell, you're not giving them the opportunity to do anything. Because jails have a culture and traditions and... A lifestyle yeah. of still being able to do drugs, of still not uh, addressing your mental health. You, we need places for these people to 
take accountability and be afforded the opportunity to really heal. Yeah. We have to give these people a chance or else they're never going to find that mental and financial independence that we all need to get in order to be contributing members of the society. It's just, and it's unfortunate because I don't know how far LA is going to go into doing that. I feel like we're just going to do this to get them off the streets. Right. It's just like a bit of a band-aid, you reckon? <clears throat> we'll see. I really hope there's a follow-through. We need a follow-through. Just like Housing First needs a follow-through. There's no follow-through in any of these. It's going to fail. You can get them off the streets and you can say you're putting money into helping them. But if there's no follow-through with mental health treatment, with substance abuse treatment, with community, it's just not going to work out, in my opinion. So... What about the weed in LA? <laughs> what about it? I don't know. I had that written down. But one thing I want to say is that one of the biggest underground sessions that was going on for over a decade that I was going to and it had the biggest sense of community, the biggest sense of of just, you know, what it meant to be in the cannabis industry is gone. They stopped. And not that many people probably know about sessions or underground sessions to begin with. I think that says a lot about where weed is kind of going in LA. It's yeah. it's just corporate. It's more and more mainstream corporate shit. And mm-hmm. I read in the Times Magazine a long time ago, and it had a, a weed thing, and it, it was in the form of a pack of cigarettes, and it said Marlboro. Oh, goodness. And it said, this is going to be weed in 10 years. Oh, wow. Well, we're, de- we're, we're on our way. We're on our way. It's probably basically here we're gonna we're gonna mainstream this shit Our, the version of it being medical and all this shit is probably the same version when they started putting rat poison in tobacco before we were just smoking tobacco and then they yeah. started doing whatever they did to it and we're just gonna end up just like the tobacco industry sure is <clears throat> and sure it's, is. it's unfortunate yeah, the weed, I don't know. I just, I've got, I'm still, I feel like I still have strong feelings because I don't know, like, I'm, I'm, we mentioned this in the last podcast because we were talking about why we quit, but I try to do the whole weed and cannabis influencer thing here in LA and I'm just going to be straight up with you guys. These companies are just full of whiteies that don't even smoke it's just corporate 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 and the only way to really make money um in the cannabis industry is if you're white if you're white if you're a cute girl cute white girl yeah then yeah you go for it but if you are outside of that it's gonna be a long battle uphill battle because they don't fuck with you like that and they never fucking will and that's just how it is. It's really shitty. It's really shitty because these communities, these black and brown communities are the reason why it is legal. You know what I mean? Or that weed is still even around. Or that it's even around. Um, and I'll say this, like cannabis is what got me through all the constant fucking microaggressions and racism that I had to deal with in Australia. You know what I mean? I never, yeah. I wasn't smoking weed. I didn't start smoking weed to be cute. And to make money. I was smoking weed to get through life. <laughs> right. You know, and then it's such a weird thing to like come to LA and then be around all these people that are making a fuck ton of money off of weed and they don't even really smoke like that. They're fucking they frauds. They're a bunch of fucking frauds. And you just are like, ugh, this is gross. Like, I don't even, y'all can have it. Like, fuck off. 
It's not right. cool anymore. It's not cool anymore. It's not. And it sucks because I used to, I grew up as a kid. That was my fucking go-to for life. <clears throat> but I refuse to be lumped in with this mainstream bullshit, to be honest. But I will say, you know, like you said, there's, in order to be someone of color and, and a woman, especially, to make it in the industry, you have to fight. We fight. know, we know personally the women who are fighting. Yeah. And shout out because y'all are fucking fighting. And they, they make amazing content. They are just doing it. But they just don't get the views. They don't get the support that they need to really make money. Right? These people, these women by now, which I don't need to name, but there's like two or three women I know of, women of color, who are always openly fighting for their place in the cannabis industry. If they were a white woman, by now they would have two strains in their name, their own fucking cannabis company, and most likely a TV show. Yeah. And I'm being dead ass. Yeah. Dead ass fucking serious. But because of who they are, they've had to fight. They've had fucking lawsuits put on them. Yeah. To the point where it's just like, God damn, but kudos, kudos. I love y'all. Y'all are fucking, you guys, you women will go down in history as the women who pioneered and had to fight for your seats. Yeah. <clears throat> but it shouldn't have been that way. It shouldn't have been that way. And it's so <clears throat> annoying to have been on the, I feel like I was... When I came here, you guys, like I said, I got here three days before the lockdown. I didn't know anyone in L.A. And then I was, like, basically welcomed into the white part of the community because of, I don't know, how it all happened. It was just a very weird situation. And I saw a lot of weird shit behind the scenes. And I'm telling you right now, this shit is fake as fuck. These people that are plastered on fucking whatever, all these brands and stuff, they aren't, they don't smoke like they say they do. They just don't. And it it irritates me that they are just put on a pedestal because of their white skin. Yeah. Shit is fucking annoying. And I, like I said before, I don't have it in me. I don't care enough to fight this fight. I just right. don't. <laughs> and I'm looking at it from an outsider perspective as a consumer, been a consumer all my life, just like, damn, this isn't as cool as I wanted it to be. We nope, could all be partying. Cool I mean, imagine designing the table, building the table, making the seats. And then not being able to sit at it. Right? That's exactly <laughs> like, what it what is. what the fuck? So. But I'm always putting good vibes towards, towards the people who are, who are continuing to fight that fight. Because y'all will be in history. Especially the women of color. Because, like, y'all are, y'all are amazing. Y'all are, <laughs> it's crazy. Y'all are doing it, you know? Straight up. I have keep so doing much it, respect. And I just, I just know, you guys, know the shit out here is fake as fuck. It is. It's very LA now. The weed, the weed community, the cannabis community is very Hollywood now. Yeah, but get your bag, everyone. Get your bag. Get if your you bag. Can. Do if you got you that opportunity, do. run it. So we, I, well, I, we got to end this on a, on some good. Right. Anyway, the 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 strike is officially over between writers <laughs> and SAG-AFTRA. Yeah. Do you think? Did you see the change in TV during this time? No, I didn't see any kind of change. I just um, heard people like talking about it and stuff, but I feel like there's so <laughs> much stuff that we consume nowadays. Like it's, I mean, shit, I think it, like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, cause here's the thing that only that reality television, that doesn't fall under reality television. Right. That's why reality, that's why we, that, I mean, that's what we've been watching mostly during this time. Though, yeah. So it's because like, there hasn't been much else on. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I'm. I think that's awesome. Um, I think it's really, really dope. I'm so happy that like the people um, in my life that are in the film industry and that are actors and stuff that they're 
you know, like they're starting, they they can work again and do all that stuff. But I don't know. I don't know, you guys. I was an AD, so I just feel like, I don't know, I just feel like I just have negative emotions towards just like any kind of like mass corporation that's, I don't know. Well, I look forward to seeing if something changes. I really hope to see some really good shows come out. Hopefully. I mean, I miss it. I really do miss looking forward to a TV. Kitchen Nightmares has been dope, but that's not that's not SAG after. That's not writing. No. Nope. That's reality, which is great. But I'm really looking for a good storyline. Even recently, we were like, damn, we should get back into Office and Parks and Recs and like... Yeah. I mean... What's I mean rap shit? Hopefully I haven't seen it. Yeah, yet, I miss rap shit. <clears throat> you know, but I just I'm really looking forward to just I want to see a barrage. I want to be overloaded with good writing now and good uh, and good just good content. Yeah. You know, I got rid of TikTok recently because it's all been really negative, um, just like abusive relationships, cheating stuff. I know. Just always trying to fuck, fuck up my vibe. China. <laughs> so we're, yep it's so weird we're like <laughs> when we're like doing really good and stuff um the internet is just like but 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 what about this right um recently kevin before we started um recording blueface oh my god had his little weird thing at the rams game where he had all these girls pull down their pants and shake their butt and had their tits out and had their tits out next to his girlfriend also mother of his child one of one of his children but also in front of the entire los angeles rams fan community who probably brought their kids and probably just got done with church because it's sunday and just wanted to chill and watch some football and then there's that weird shit like now he's banned now he's probably never going to be able to go back again and is this is this what we're doing? This and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and be like an old man and be like, oh Gen Z and uh, younger millennials, y'all are fucking up. Look, I had a part in creating y'all. <laughs> we had, we all have to take responsibility for right. how our society is ending up. But we also have the control and power to change it. This shit is getting right. whack. And I think it's like, we should absolutely say, like, that is not the right... That's a very fucked up thing to do morally. And it's just not... It's not good. It's not good. It's... Don't... I just felt so... I felt for those women that just thought it was cool to do that. You right. know? Out in the open like that. For <clears throat> dollars. I'm sorry, but he was holding dollars. He wasn't even holding 20s. I'm... And it's like, look, there's these buildings that you can go to throughout the city and they have parking. And when you go in there, there's women who do that already. (laughs) And I think they're called strip clubs. I don't know. But I'm pretty sure you could just go there and you don't have to do that at a fucking Rams game. Right. We're so morally corrupt. We're just morally corrupt as fuck, and it's not cute. And Blueface, this is not cute. I don't know. It's crazy. What are we doing? How how do we do better for our people? How I don't know. (laughs) I know. I feel like ever since I've become a mom, I'm just like I'm just checking out. I'm just like, man, mm y'all. Nope. Thanks. Maybe I'm just getting old. I get the need to be relevant. I get it. I get the need to to have that wow factor within within social media in order to stay relevant and to make money but why this way 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Why this way? And it puts pressure on other people to do more. You know? Now, yeah. Someone's going to top that. Someone's going to try to top that. Someone's going to straight weird. do 69 at the Super Bowl now. And this is where <laughs> we're going. You know, where's your counsel? There's got to be someone there to be like, mm, that's not a good well, idea. Well, his mom is like all about it. She's all about it. So it is what it is. Hey, I don't know much about that life except my little time doing dirt in the world and messing around with the shit I messed around with to get into prison. But I will say, um, you can do, we can do, we can, we don't have to do this shit though. And I'm going to put it out there. Like I'm not perfect. I had a wild (laughs) time in my twenties. I just was lucky. And I feel like just, I did it in Australia where no one would really see (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah. I don't know. I'm not saying that, you know, you. I, I get it. You kind of, especially if you are, I feel like when you're a female and you're 18 and you kind of went through a tumultuous childhood, I don't know if I said that right, you kind of have to go through, you go through these, like, it's very, you're, it's easy to be preyed upon because you're just looking for acceptance and love and you don't not really you don't really have that self-confidence yet you don't have that security within yourself and then you end up in doing weird shit i was one of those people i have done weird shit that i do not that i regret you know what i mean but i just feel like now social media it's like cool to put yourself out there like that and it's not okay it is not okay i know i i i just did all my shit i did in public and all my shit is out there public record you know what I mean? I was on the news. It's like, please stop this guy. <laughs> and that followed me even after I got out and tried to get a job. You can Google me and it would say Colorado Springs Most Wanted. And because of that, it, it fucked me up for a while. I couldn't get jobs. I couldn't. I was like, please don't Google me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Please don't Google me. Um, and so I, I think about that whenever I see these situations. Like these girls are going to be... That's kind of what you're going to be known for for a bit. Yeah. And Blueface is able to monetize what he's known for. But are you able to monetize what you just did for five minutes in front of national TV? Yeah. And you are going to change, you guys. I think that's what one thing that you don't realize when you're in your 20s is that you are <laughs> going to change. Yeah. Your mentality is going to change. You're going to look back and be like, Ugh. Damn, how do I delete that? <laughs> <laughs> like, it ha- Like you know, you mature, you get older. Well, hopefully, hopefully, not everyone, but hopefully you look back and you kind of just like, oh, shit, that actually wasn't the right thing to do. And I think that we're so fresh in the social media, the people who are kind of new to it, like the early Gen Zers and maybe the, the, the elder Gen Zs and the young millennials, they don't understand that concept because they may not have grown up with social media as a kid. So now they're just like wilding out. Whereas you have Gen Zers who grew up with it since day one who know that they're always online and don't want to be seen in that light. So it's like our generation is a little bit younger than us who are new, the newest to social media and are out here just throwing our ass cheeks Thinking that we're not going to be just fucking facially recognized <laughs> when we go right. out. And I, I'm a product of that. I did all the shit I did thinking, not even thinking of social media. Not even thinking of the internet. Only to get out and realize, oh shit, I'm plastered all online. I can't go anywhere without people realizing 
exactly the crimes I committed and shit. So yeah. we're learning these hard lessons. But anyway. It um, is what it is. At the end of the day, these are a bunch of young people that are just like trying to figure out their, <clears throat> their shit. And unfortunately, they're putting it on social media to be judged. So. I wish y'all the best. Yeah, I I'm really do. I'm going to pray do. for y'all. I really am. We are going to pray for you, for <laughs> real. And we, me out. and Kevin, we're not these people. I just want to like make that clear. Us saying, like, oh, we're going to pray for you. We love you. God loves you. Um, <laughs> I was not this person, like, even, like, five years ago. Oh, yeah. So this judgment, please know it's coming from people that have done their fuck shit. Right. And are, have changed and see, like, oh, maybe we shouldn't have done that. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I'm always going to come at people, and not necessarily, I can't even say it's judgment, because for me, I'm never going to, I can never sit above anyone. I'm never going to look down. Straight up. I can never look down on any of y'all, no matter what y'all feel. If y'all feel that way, it's not true. I'm a piece of shit. I am a bottom feeder. I am a grouper. I am a tilapia. <laughs> oh I'm, a, I'm a dumbass. I'm fucking have made more mistakes than anyone. I will never try to sit above and be like, well, you need to do this. All I can say is, well, man, I've been through some shit like that. And here's my outcome. I don't know if you want to take that into consideration. That's all I can do. Yeah. Um, and what I'll say is like, we ain't out here to do, to make anyone feel bad. About to make themselves. Or to make us feel good. Right? No. Not at all. I don't think I'm any better than anybody, straight up. But ex- I, I do want to call it out and say, you know what? That's wrong. Yeah. I don't want to glorify cool. that shit. Right. And, and I did wrong shit. Like we said, we did wrong shit. We just weren't able to put our shit on social media and it wasn't going to be there forever. Yeah. Even the little shit I did, by the grace of God, eventually these websites and fucking news companies took those videos down. I think once they realized I had been caught and done my time. (laughs) So it is what it is. And I don't know. Love more. Love each other more. Yeah. Because I don't think we'd be doing all this craziness while and out like we are. I know I didn't love myself when I had my like crazy times. Uh, I still, I I still be trying. It's hard. It is hard. It's something we have to work on every day. So we love you guys. And we just, yeah, we love y'all. Are we going to end it here? Yeah, we're going we're gonna to fucking end it right here. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I'm struggling. I've been struggling for the past couple days because I've been wanting to smoke. <laughs> but I'm not going to. But Me I just want to put it out there because I don't want it to seem like... We're just these perfect people that don't have, like, that just quit cold turkey or don't have struggles. But, yeah, I've been struggling with um, wanting to smoke a big fat blunt right now. And I'm just not going to do it, but I want to put it out there. I'm so glad you said that, baby. We haven't talked about this at all. (laughs) But I've been walking my happy ass by my our usual dispensary. Oh, and then Veterans Day was, you know, we could have got free weed everywhere. I'm just like, oh. It's hard. It's hard. It is a struggle. But I'm... I'm really trying to gain some discipline. Discipline, I'm not saying yeah. that people who smoke are undisciplined. I'm just saying I, I personally, we talked about in the last podcast, was a very undisciplined smoker. Yeah. And I'm just trying to be better for me. I don't care about what y'all think. Yeah. So I care what my boo thinks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. I love you, boo. I love you, too. I'm glad we did this again. We're sticking to it. Consistency. Right? Me, too. Thanks for, you know, helping me. Stay consistent because y'all know. 
Oh, God, if you guys knew all the fucking half-ass projects I have. <laughs> Me too, though. It's so sad. <laughs> and I'm sorry because my throat has been tripping. I've been sick. I'm at the tail end of a sickness, but we're still here. And I will say we were like, we got to get this down to an hour. But I'm pretty sure from now on it's going to be longer than an hour 20. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's just, you know, we're, we're hitting on an hour 25. But it's hard to, we get going, which is good. It's great. But um, until next time, guys, <clears throat> we will talk to you guys next week. Yeah, and we're going to do it together. This is the... Wait, wait. To have a good day, y'all. And this, this is, is the Dead, Dead Inside Podcast. Podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're going to work on that shit. <laughs> Bye. Bye.